3: Pre recorded from Joe's Mom's Basement. Welcome to another rewind episode of the Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey everyone, I'm Griffin the Intern, but all the guys in the Minecraft subreddit just call me the Fintern. Well, give the guys points for trying to be productive on their week away from the show. Joe realized that Mother's Day is right around the corner, so OG scrounged up about $5 from the change jar in the corner, and apparently they're headed to Walgreens to buy Joe's Mom an iPad. As they were walking up the stairs, I heard them saying that iPads must be in the aisle with eye patches and eye drops. So, I'm not sure how this little trip is going to end, but I can 100% guarantee that someone is going to be disappointed at the end of today's little adventure. But you won't be disappointed today, because before they left, Joe handed me a record with episode 337 on it. Pete the Planner from USA Today and the host of the Million Dollar Plan podcast joins Paula and Len to talk about smart questions about money people think are dumb, presentation skills at work, and a recent Moneyologist post from MarketWatch. As always, there's lots of other stuff on this show, including a fintech segment with a team from the Draft app, so enjoy. And remember to disregard any info you hear about investment or giveaways. This episode was originally released back on May 13th, 2016. The guys are back Monday, assuming they figure out how to find their way back home from their iPad trip. Finturn out. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a big show, a real big shoe
1: because the first five days of the week were put there just to let you rest up for the weekend get ready for another friday episode of the stacking benjamin show (laughs) i'm joe's mom's neighbor doug and man do we have a special niblet for you today You're too smart for that, aren't you? It's the same old ridiculous Friday show as always. But put your hands in the air like you just don't care and help us welcome USA Today contributor and hit podcaster Peter Dunn, a.k.a. Pete the Planner. Plus, our friends from the Draft app are back to answer a listener question. And here he is, the guy who had to step away from all the nerds at his board game table just for this podcast, Joe
0: Salcijai. Oh, it is difficult making room for this in my busy board game schedule. Hey, everybody. Happy Friday. I am Joe Salcijai, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And man, Doug's wrong. We got an awesome show. In fact, uh, Doug, you're wrong. We have an awesome show today. It's pretty gutsy of you to call me wrong, Joe. Pretty gutsy. To your face? It's ridiculous. We usually just wait till you leave the room. Is Greg gonna be here this week? But Greg is not gonna be here. We got Len yes. and Paula, I believe. Depends on how the shortwave is working, but I think but it's Len Pola. Len's actually going to be here. It's
1: not going to be Walter Cronkite from <laughs> LenPenzo.com? It, it will not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's Len Penzo.
0: <laughs> and Pete Planner. How, Pete the Planner. How Pete about the that? Pete Planner. Is that the best nickname he's got? Isn't that awesome? I love Planner. I love that name. Pistol Pete. Pete the Piston. He he is Pistol Pete on this show. He's bringing it. Hey, everybody. Speaking of bringing it, you know what website brings oh. it every time you go there? com forward slash magnify money. Because when you go to magnify money, I'll tell you what you get. You get the best checking accounts, the best savings accounts, and the best debt products all rolled into one beautiful little website. And the cool thing is, is that you can stay anonymous the whole time. You know what I was thinking today, Doug? What was you thinking today, Joe? Well, I was thinking, we tell everybody in financial planning that you got to be the CFO of your personal financial world, right? You you have to be it. So you think about that. Okay, if I'm in charge of this company and the company is my personal money, what's the first thing I'm going to look at? Does my checking account suck? Does my savings account stink? And uh, is my debt strategy working, right? The answer is yes, first thing CFO is going to do. So if you're the CFO, answer that question. When's the last time you looked at those things? And if it's been a while, head to com forward slash magnify money. And if you've got great credit, just go straight to com forward slash SoFi. That's S-O-F-I. Because those crazy people at SoFi... Are the leaders in marketplace lending, and we had actually, it was funny on Tuesday, the Treasury Department was talking about marketplace lending, and this area is growing so quickly that we're seeing we're seeing some government involvement. We are, we we, we are, we totally. <laughs> Should are. I care about that? I just mow the lawn and bring the mail.
1: <laughs> it's <got> no idea. <laughs> What? Will the people at SoFi help me with that government intervention?
0: Well, here's what's funny is that when you look at marketplace lenders, we had somebody on our web, on, on the Facebook page actually ask about this. She's like, oh, those those uh, marketplace lenders, they're all slimy, and they loan money to people that don't have any. Uh, SoFi only loans money to people that have phenomenal credit and people that they know are a layup to pay it back. That's, sounds like an exclusive club
1: I could never get into.
0: It, is to- it, it You know what? It's horrible because it is an exclusive club, and I've had people write to me going, I couldn't get in. Uh, there's a lot of people they don't work with many, but, If you are somebody that they work with, you'll get 100 bucks for using our link, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SoFi, and you also will get the best rate that you can find out there on personal loans and on student loans. You can also go to them for mortgages if you'd like. How about that? That's great, but they would never take me, so I don't even know if I would knock on their door. Just go to Magnified Money, man. That's all you got to do. But you know what? We should get on with this podcast because we've got, I believe, Pete the Planner, Len Penzo, and Paula Pant waiting for us. That's a lot of alliteration. All right, let's walk across the basement here to My Dad Shortwave, fire this up, and see if we can get some of the best minds in financial writing and podcasting on the line. And let's start in, uh, let's go west east in Los Angeles, California, where I believe Len Penzo from LenPenzo.com is joining us. Strike one, Joe, strike one. You said the
4: best minds, and you go right to me. (laughs) Sorry about that, folks.
0: I thought you were saying strike one is having (laughs) you back on again. (laughs) How you been? I, I've been good, but not you, man. You're doing a proposal for work, huh?
4: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And, and I, I don't know if anybody's ever done that in the in the corporate world, but uh, they're extremely stressful. Everybody wants everything yesterday. And uh, they're, they're just long, long days. So, yeah, I'll be glad when it's over.
0: But, you know, I got goosebumps, Len, because you still made room for us.
4: <laughs> yeah,
0: don't tell my boss. <laughs> I promise it's our he thinks, he thinks I'm going to dinner. <laughs> Neither listener will tell, I promise okay. Okay, great. Right. And in uh, the great Las Vegas, Nevada Probably somewhere uh, near a, a craps table in the Mirage I think it's uh, Paula Pant from Afford Anything
2: Strike two, Joe You assumed that you've got two listeners When I'm pretty <laughs> sure it might only be your mom
0: It's just mom Well, when the Bridge Club listens At least one of them, I think How are you? <laughs>
2: Not bad. Not, I'm happy to be on the show as always.
0: Well, we're we're very happy to have you. <laughs> Awkward pause. That's right. The <laughs> <laughs> show's <laughs>
2: like, wow, really? Is that the highlight of your life? That is so sad. Well, it's highlight. I should <laughs> send
0: you a card. Well, I gotta share with you the highlight of my life is that uh the one and only Pete the Planner of, aka Peter Dunn from uh USA Today and the Pete the Planner podcast. But actually Pete, I think you've rebranded your podcast, haven't you?
5: Strike three, Joe. You uh, need to aim higher. (laughs) If I'm one of your favorite people. Um, We did rebrand our podcast called The Million Dollar Plan now. So we're just trying to, at this point in time, take all the tips that all us personal finance experts give and turn them into actual dollars and quit beating around the bush with resourcefulness. So that's what we do.
0: But the cool format you've had hasn't changed, right?
5: Same format. Yeah, it's we take one uh, caller a week and fix their garbage. And what we do is we, at the beginning of the call, give them their million-dollar day that we establish with our little fancy calculator we created. And then by the end of the podcast, we give them a different million-dollar day based on the changes we recommend. Pretty fun.
0: Yeah, that's so awesome. And I got to tell you, a column you wrote recently for USA Today, the open letter. Oh. I had, I had oh. so many people email me that and say we had to talk about it on the show. I said, better yet, we'll have the guy on the show. Uh, you must have gotten a lot of feedback on that.
5: Well, uh, so we, again, we've got four people on here that talk about money all the time and write about money all the time. Can I tell you, all four of you, that I got four death threats and two kill yourself emails. Over really?
0: Yes. So just to fill wow. in, just to fill in the listener, mom and the other listener, we, yeah. your, your column was an open letter to adult children who are still uh, skimming off mom and dad. Would you say that's fair?
5: Yeah, and I, I wrote back-to-back letters in USA Today. That one and the first one was actually an open letter to parents who support their adult children. Right. Here's the premise. I'll, I'll make it in 10 seconds. When an adult child needs support, money is not the problem, so therefore money should not be the solution. Parents are trying to preserve their feelings instead of their money, so they martyr their money to preserve their feelings, and everyone loses, and I got death threats.
0: Unbelievable. You got death threats from people living in mom's basement,
5: right? Saying yeah. Got- I said, you know, look, I'm going to report this, but more importantly, please thank your mom and dad for letting you send the email. Like, you know, so I'm trying to be really cool about it. That's, that's crazy.
0: Well, as long as you didn't interpret mine as a death threat, I just didn't didn't want you. To, no, I'm kidding.
5: Uh, no, I just choked on a on a chicken wing and I thought, well, yeah, that's maybe how people greet themselves and uh, the, where you're from. So that's fine.
0: That's incredible. Ah, uh, let's move on to our articles, guys, because we've got three really good ones. The first one comes to us from Vox. Nine questions about interest rates you were too embarrassed to ask. And I really, I like this article, Paula, because it's about embarrassing questions. And I feel like people, maybe even people listen to the show, have questions they think are embarrassing, but really everybody has the same questions. Wouldn't you think?
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's very common for people to not want to ask questions because they feel like, Asking a question is going to make them look stupid. The irony is asking a question is the thing that makes you smarter and more informed. So by not admitting, hey, what what does that word mean? Or, hey, how exactly does that work? You're actually keeping yourself in the dark. You think that's hubris and just not wanting to look stupid? <laughs> so hubris means pride. I know that one. Jeez, <laughs> what does stupid mean? <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. So do you think that that's what it is? Is is that why we don't ask questions about money, especially?
2: Exactly. Exactly. And I don't think it's just money. I think sometimes if, if you're talking to someone and they use a big word in conversation, you don't want to say, wait, what does that word mean? So you just kind of go with the flow and nod along as though you understand. And then later you go home and Google it.
0: Pete, when you're working with families on their finances, what are some of the common things that people don't understand, but we all think that they understand?
5: There's a couple of weird ones like uh, people confuse mutual fund and money market account a lot and they say them interchangeably. But my my one that drives me insane and my I'm on a mission to fix it is when people say they max out their 401k and what they mean is they hit the match. Right. Yeah. So the industry has has punted this one. We, the financial industry has totally screwed this up. They've convinced us that we need to uh, gravitate towards the lowest common denominator. Hitting the match is not the max. You know, 3% hitting 3% is not $18,000 a year. And so uh, that would be my biggest one.
0: Well, I, I love that one too, because whenever people say they max out their 401k now, like you, I have no idea what they're talking about, but let's go back to the first one. Difference between a money market and a mutual fund. Cause you know, there's people listening, Pete, that have no idea what the difference is.
5: Sure. I was gonna, I was gonna ask the I have no <laughs> idea what the heck it means. Led? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna punt that to Paula.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. A money market account is a type of savings account where you tend to get a higher interest rate than a typical savings account, but your money is functionally, it's, it's in cash, it's fully liquid, it has minimal risk, you can pull it out at any time. There are like a limited number of withdrawals that you can make in a given month, typically around six, depending on your institution. But for the most part, it's basically a savings account. A mutual fund, by contrast, is a basket of stocks, a a very large basket that a person buys in order to diversify their risk exposure. And in fact, a mutual fund can either be actively managed, meaning that it has a active manager who's overseeing what stocks are in it, or it could be an index fund, which is actually a type of mutual fund that's passively managed and it tracks the broad market index.
5: Jeez. I just binged that and it was correct. <laughs> oh,
2: like, <laughs> word
0: for word. Well, you know how. She binged it too. And she was just reading, Pete. Yeah, <laughs> I
5: was amazing. The- yeah.
2: I'm a millennial. I don't use Bing.
5: <laughs> oh, all right. Fair enough. Just, I, uh, that's great. That's pretty good.
2: <laughs> Google, sure. Let- Ask Jeeves, maybe. <laughs>
5: That's Jeeves. <laughs>
0: Len, when people write into when people write into LenPenzo.com, what are some of the because you you write sometimes about how people get confused about uh, different concepts in financial planning?
4: Yeah, you know what's kind of the weirdest thing is people seem to I think they, they get confused over the whole process of what debt is, actually. Um I, I don't think they take a lot of thought as to what when they take out a loan, what are they doing? I don't think they think about it. And I think they just think, oh, it's, I'm just getting some money. But what they're really not realizing is they're pulling – what they're doing is they're mortgaging their future income is what they're doing. They're pledging their work into the future now is what they're doing.
0: Yeah, they're more so, they're more focused on the thing that they want than on the mechanism yes. by which they're getting it. Ex-
4: yeah, and that's a good way to put it, Joe. That it, it, they're kind of looking at debt as a thing as as just as something I've got instead of what they needed to do to actually get that in the first place, which is work and earn income. And they're really basically pledging future income for something now. And I I I think they have no concept of that.
0: Do you think that's job one, Pete, for a lot of families is uh, just getting a coherent debt strategy
5: together? Yeah, it's the so if if our income splits into our past, present, and future, the past is the only thing you can eliminate without dying, you know? (laughs) So to me, getting rid of debt is important. And to piggyback off of what Lynn said, I've had people tell me that they don't have debt if they have 0% interest. So I had a guy tell me that his $10,000 in debt was, in fact, not debt because it was at 0% interest. And I I wanted to die in the moment because like that doesn't even make sense. Moms and
0: dads all over the world with all that 0% interest to kids are screaming at their radio right now.
5: I know. Uh, yeah. And the, the idea that it's coming through their radio is amazing, this podcast. Right. <laughs> Let's <laughs> – <laughs>
0: I think we're going to leave that right there. Uh, but I think I think the takeaway from this is is ask questions. I mean, when when somebody asks you a question on the blog, Len, people shouldn't be afraid of that. Of
4: course not. It's always better to ask a question than you don't know. There's no shame in that. Where the shame is is when you try to say something and you act like you know something and you don't. You know what I'm saying? It's much more noble yeah. to be quiet if you don't know. But if you if you don't know and you want to ask, there's no shame in that. That's how we learn. And uh, that took a while for me to figure out. And it takes a lot, especially younger people. I think there's just a natural, you don't want to act like, oh, I don't want to sound stupid. You're not stupid if you're asking a question to learn. when you do sound stupid is when you say something, you talk, you act like you know something, and you don't, and you say the wrong thing. That's
0: why I punted to Paula.
4: (laughs) I I wasn't going to try and answer that question and look like a fool.
0: (laughs) Well, let's punt to the next article here. How about that for a segue? Uh, That was a good one. Thank you. Let's talk about making some money. Uh, This one is from Forbes, written by Catherine Dill. Never give a boring presentation again. And I think, Paula, we'll start with you again. We have to make presentations all the time, whether we think we are or not. Just when you're presenting your point of view, it's a presentation. So I feel like that one skill, being great at giving a presentation, is one of the biggest moneymakers out there.
2: It is. I mean, the way you carry yourself, the way you express your thoughts, more broadly speaking, not just presentation, but communication, whether it's through email, whether it's face to face on the phone, is one of the most important job skills or career skills that you can have. And unfortunately, it's not taught uh, explicitly.
0: Yeah, right, right. We got to kind of figure it out. Len, with this proposal you're writing, are you going to actually have to present it?
4: I won't. Probably somebody else will. And it's very important that you uh, keep the person's attention and get your message across. And you have to get it across as quickly and efficiently as possible. And they mention that in this article here, brevity, they're talking about. I think most people don't understand. A lot of bloggers don't understand, too. The fewer words you can say something, get your point across, the much better it is for the reader. And same for the presenter, the, the audience. If you can get your point across in a short amount of time, Uh, It's just so much easier.
0: Pete, I thought specifically of you when I was choosing this article because of your work as a stand-up comedian. I mean, I don't think there's any other profession where you have to commune more with your audience. Is there?
5: No, I mean, and and as it translates into what I do now, I speak about 200 times a year. I have three rules of speaking and presenting, and they're very simple. Number one, never be the hero of your own story. I, I hate when presenters go up there and. They create all these problems and they are the solution. I find it to be myopic and boredom, you know, boredom inducing. Number two is, uh, I steal this from Stephen Wright, the comedian. He said, if you can swim, who cares how deep the ocean is? So I never worry about the size of a crowd. I don't care if there's two or 20,000. If you can do it, you can do it. Crowd doesn't matter. And then finally, be present. You know, be in the room. Don't be talking at people eye contact find out people's names weave them back into the conversation the more i'm present whether i'm on a stand-up stage or presenting to whoever i talk to the better off it goes so that's good for any conversation we're all buried in our phones today right i mean <laughs> i know right i just ordered a pizza as i was uh <laughs> on about how wonderful things are but if i was present that last 30 seconds would have been meaningful for people that's funny, but how do, you, how do
0: you do that when you're talking to a crowd? How do you weave them into the discussion? Do you call on
5: people? For me, I mean, it starts with knowing your audience, you know, talking to the people in the organization a little bit beforehand, starting to understand some inside jokes. But, you know, I'll call for people. To know, hey, who has student loans? How much student loan do you have? 30000 What's uh, your name? Carrie. And then, yeah, she weaves in the whole time. And I don't know. I mean, that definitely comes back to my stand-up and improv roots. And I hate to use the term, Joe, but this is what your show does. Your show edutains people, them, <laughs> and it entertains them, and that's what people want. They want edutainment. We, we are the original edutainment. But we're late on the edu part. Isn't that the worst term in the world? But it's so descriptive.
0: <laughs> it's, it's annoyingly descriptive. Len, what can you add to what Pete said about presentations? When you've made presentations in the past, what's been some of yeah. the keystones for you?
4: Well, I'll tell you what the what the uh, millstones are for most presenters. It's PowerPoint. I think PowerPoint has destroyed uh, <laughs> a lot of people. What they do is they'll put a billion words on a chart, and then they'll talk to the chart, and they will read it verbatim in, in a monotone voice. They won't even look at the crowd. If you're going to use PowerPoint, people, uh, make it interesting. Take one picture to get a point across and then talk to that. You know, you've got to get away from those words in the PowerPoint and you've got to be like, like Pete said, you've got to be looking at the audience and you've got to engage the audience. Don't be engaging that PowerPoint chart behind your head. So I think that's one of the biggest things.
0: What about stories and presentations, Paula? Do you engage much with stories?
2: Absolutely. I think that stories are a great way to both begin and end a presentation because imagine it almost as a, um, like one of those spinning tops that's narrow in the beginning, narrow in the end and wide in the middle. So that anecdote at the beginning and end really narrows down the issue into how it affects one individual, whether it's you or someone else, you know, you, you see the close up, and then you go wide and you talk about the issue, whatever it is that you're presenting about in very broad terms. And that's the meat of the presentation. And then again, you, you know, you want to link the end back to the beginning. So you close it out by going back to the story that you started with.
0: Awesome. And just, and the story as analogy then.
2: Exactly. The story as analogy or the story as one specific example of a broader topic that we're addressing.
0: Pete, I know a lot of people go for humor and I've been in so many presentations where the, you know, the person thinks that they are a comedian and they just kill the audience immediately with just the worst
5: joke ever. Uh, What do you think about comedy (laughs) and presentations? Uh, I've seen it go horribly wrong and, I don't know. I, there, people say there are no rules to comedy. There are, there are a couple, actually. Uh, you never joke about cancer or plane crashes. That's number one. Everyone knows that. Number, <laughs> number two, never explain a joke. And I think that's where most speakers go off the rails, yeah. is that the punchline mm-hmm. extends because no one's laughing, so they keep going on it, and then it just it, well, it crashes like a plane, I guess. Sl- <laughs> yeah.
1: oh,
5: man. You see what he did there? See what I did there? Yeah,
0: <laughs> that
5: was
6: um,
0: good. Beat. Thank you. Yes, I guess. See, and he didn't I guess. explain it either, Paula. He just let it go. <laughs> yeah,
5: that's, that's good. And
2: did you notice how brief it was? Brevity is the soul of wit.
5: That's right. What's the old, what's the old toast thing? It's uh, be funny, be brief, be seated, or something. That's the old wedding toast thing, you know. Oh, I like that.
0: That's good. I mean, that's. That, I think that's great with any speech. Shorter is better, right? What's it, What's it say in this article? Half as long as twice as good. Good stuff. Yeah. We got to take a time out from our awesome discussion with Len, Paula, and Pete the Planner to say a big thanks to everybody who's gone to magnify money uh, using our stackingbenjamins.com link. Because you know what, Doug? If you use that stacking Benjamins link, then Nick and the team will know that we sent you, which is what we, if sponsor ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Right? That's like life at your mom's house.
1: That's, that's exactly
0: it. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And mom wants to make sure the sponsor's happy. Oh, yes. Because if we're down here podcasting, we're not causing trouble. So com forward slash magnify money. We hear all the time about people who drive across town for a better deal on gasoline. Or we hear about people that, that comparison shop everything. Why don't we comparison shop the financial products we use every day? Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money, and Nick and Brian and the team will hook you up with some great deals over there. And the best deal, if you have phenomenal credit, is at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SoFi. That's S-O-F-I is the way you call it. These crazy kids over at SoFi have put together this program where they hook up people with phenomenal credit with people on the other side that want a sure thing. They're willing to accept a lower interest rate if... They know that the person has a very, very, very high likelihood of paying the debt back. So if you're that person, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SoFi, and what you're going to find is great low rates on student loans and personal loans, and you'll get a Benjamin back. Why do you
1: keep calling them crazy, Joe? I don't think I want to hand my money over to people who are, crazier. Like, are, they, those are crazy. Are there padded walls in their offices? Why are they like their hairs on fire. Why do you keep saying
0: these crazy kids? That's Have crazy. you seen how crazy we get in financial planning? We say we're crazy. That means they don't button the top button on their on their polo shirt.
1: They're wearing the short sleeve button downs right. too, aren't they? It's, it's, it's like my like my social studies teacher in
0: eighth grade. That's that's how the team at Sofi wants to be known. We only wear. We only wear the short sleeve button downs. Hey, one one guy scratches his head with a marker and forgets that the cap is off and he's got scribbles all over his bald skull. We got to go to the we got to go to our FinTech people, because in Austin, Texas, we've got Brad Lawler and company out there from the draft app team waiting for us. We had a great question from a listener. You know, there's been a problem, which is sometimes data hasn't doesn't aggregate uh, into some of these fintech apps. So as an example, Doug, if you've got things at four different banks, let's say, and you want them all to aggregate into one app, there are now some restrictions. And so Brad said, "I, I knew nothing about this. And I said, hey, Brad, this seems like exactly what you guys are doing. He goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, this is something we'd love to talk about. So let's go to Austin, Texas with the Draft App Guys.
7: Hey, Joe. We have Brad and Ken here down in Austin, Texas from the draft team. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, we actually had a great question come in from longtime listener Stacy. Uh, she was asking about data aggregation services, really specifically the third-party applications that sit on top of these aggregators like Mint.com. And she, she brings up a good topic. She says the authentication subject is a little touchy because some people feel that security should override convenience. However, it appears that the market is pushing out data aggregation altogether without a direction for overcoming the immediate authentication hurdles. Much of the press on this subject seems almost conspiratorial, suggesting that banks are motivated to silo their data as aggregation represent competition by selling competing services on their platforms. Stacey goes on to say, I've watched a growing list of accounts get orphaned on Mint.com. Since more accounts adopt two-factor authentication without a clear way of getting around it, I suspect there won't be a good aggregation tool anymore, and I'll be back to managing my portfolio like it's 1996. Oh, my God. God forbid. Uh, I remember that when you had to go to different sites to, to see everything. And this is an interesting topic, especially for Draft. Uh, At Draft, we build investment analytics tools that sit on top of data aggregation services. Our platform is originally built on top of a data aggregation service called Yodely. Um, Yodely was actually the first data aggregator that powered the Mint tool years ago when it first uh, was introduced. Intuit purchased Mint years ago and plugged in their own data aggregation service. Uh, We use Yodely because of their great security and coverage. And so this is a real sensitive topic for us and a really uh, important topic that we at Draft keep a close eye on. An important thing to note about data aggregation is that uh, it's come a long way from those early days when Mint was using it. In the early days, some of the big banks actually pushed back almost to the point of taking legal action against these data aggregators like Yodlee because they were tapping into their system through like, screen scraping strategies to access a customers' data that, that uh, from that institution to understand the account information. And what the courts ultimately ruled is that it is not the institution's data, it is the client's data. And if they want to get access to that through a third party like Mint.com, um, they should be able to, to get access to it. So over the years, we have seen a great evolution of this idea of data aggregation where we first saw the, the banks pushing back on it. Now you actually see the banks and the big investment firms embracing data aggregation. There are very few banking sites that you can go to now or investment sites where they're not offering account aggregation services so that you can see your outside accounts in a single dashboard. So we've really come full circle. Now to Stacy's point, these institutions are making it really difficult sometimes for you to get access to your, your accounts inside of other applications. They use two-form authentication. They sometimes require you to go back to that institution to to opt in for these, these different a- aggregation services. And they do it in a sneaky way where they say, would you like Yodely to have access to to your accounts? But most people don't know what Yodely is, so you know, they don't pose the question as, I would like the Xero app to, to have access to my accounts. So it makes it confusing. At the end of the day, the path that we're on is actually good. The more and more we see these institutions uh, embracing data aggregation themselves, the more and more these institutions are going to have to open up and limit their authentication standards. I think that in one way that they may be able to do this, and Ken, you know more about this than me, is to kind of learn from what Google and Facebook are doing with with single-app l- login. So one element of this is the two-factor authentication that's being required by some institutions before you can aggregate your accounts. Ken, you've done some research on this. We obviously uh, face this issue A Draft. What's the deal with two-factor authentication? Is it, it actually keeping people from being able to connect those accounts? Yeah, I think there are some misconceptions here because some
6: platforms who are using account aggregation aren't doing it great when it comes to uh, multi-factor authentication. And what I mean by that is a platform like Mint, for example, and they may have fixed this, I'm not sure, uh, but the last I knew, they weren't detecting if uh, an institution used multi-factor authentication, which is bad because uh, that means that they continue to try to run a daily connection to that institution, but they obviously don't have the security code or whatever those other authentication means are. Uh, which means that the end user ends up getting locked out of their account, and it not only breaks in Mint, but it would break that user's connection to uh, their institution, and they would have to log back in and create new passwords and stuff. If it's done responsibly, you certainly can aggregate, even with multi-factor authentication. Uh, The limit is that you can't do it on an ongoing basis. So you can have a one-time connection, and then you would have to present the user with that Uh, those multiple authentication methods each time you go to make a connection,
7: uh, which is not ideal, but at least you can still make a connection. Okay, great. Thanks. That's really helpful, Ken. Do you think we should form some type of petition to start sending to these banks saying, please make it easier for for me to connect to my accounts? Do you think that would make any difference? Probably not. Uh, But I I will say that uh, institutions
6: have have realized the value of account aggregation and, and them, themselves. They're, they're using it and they're offering uh, features inside of their websites and applications for users to connect their outside accounts. So it's in their own best interest to develop some sort of uh,
7: standard for this. Have you seen from other technologies, other apps that we're using all the time, better ways to do it that these banks and, and third-party apps could benefit from if they were to, to kind of take a, a cue from those groups?
6: Yeah, they should definitely look at Silicon Valley. Just look to Google or, or Facebook or any of those guys. They've been doing this for a long time, and they saw this a long time ago. Um, with two-factor authentication at Google, for example, they have a concept called app passwords. Uh, so, you know, you can turn on a two-factor authentication, and you as a user, any user trying to access your account, you have to have uh, make it through multiple layers of security, uh, but you've given... Uh, access to your account for some application, and Google stores that, and and they store a really long hash passcode for that application.
7: Cool. All right. So part of our petition will say, please look to Silicon Valley and Facebook and Google for recommendations of how to handle this better
6: yeah I, I hope it's that easy uh, it, it
7: may come down to a court case who knows yeah. so what we're learning is that the behavior of, of institutions is changing they understand the benefits of good user experience they want to create a good user experience for their customer if that means you know providing better aggregation tools or providing more access to their clients data through other applications they're moving in a direction where they're starting to support that so it's going to be good for all of us yeah absolutely thanks for the question.
0: big thanks to the draft app team if you want to get on their waiting list head to draftapp.com as they get their own app ready to go pretty cool thing it's been a while since the draft app guys have talked about what they do but but they compare your risk tolerance with everybody else's risk tolerance so you know how you say that you're really aggressive i think that would be impossible to compare my risk (laughs) and everybody else we know you're not aggressive at all You're at Applebee's cruising the bar saying, I'm aggressive. Hello, ladies. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But they not only do that, but they also show you your fees. So that product is just about ready to launch. They're getting close. All All right. Let's head back to our great conversation with Peter Dunn, AKA Pete the Planner, Paula Pant, and Len Penzo. Let's move on to the last thing here, which is oh. we're going to the moneyologist column, for uh, uh, Fortrell's awesome column, where they write him just train wreck letters. And we have a train wreck of a letter here that I'm going to try to take from about, uh, I don't know. This, is, this letter's a little war and peace. I didn't think about that. So we're going to try to get through this, and then uh, I'll ask your opinions. What I did, everybody, I didn't link to the article for our panel. I just gave them the same question, and we'll see. We'll see how everybody answers it. This person says their only child has begun his first serious relationship. He's in his mid-20s. He has a steady career, money in the bank, no loans or debt, where not much will hold him back from a rapid progression from dating to married. They're not 1% wealthy, but through some calculated risk-taking, incredible hard work, good money, and asset management, his wife and he have managed to set up a very comfortable future. Money isn't everything, but it sure makes things a heck of a lot easier. Uh, The writer says they're not helicopter parents, But they've sought to instill in him their drive, work ethic, and attention to detail that served them well. They think they've done a good job and that their son's doing well. So to cut to the chase, his current girlfriend... The son's current girlfriend has some gaps in her history and has exhibited behavior that points to a pattern of underachievement, according to this gentleman. Suffice it to say, she has suddenly and significantly dialed back current employment and long-shot career plans since my son has arrived on the scene. Additionally, there's been some evidence of police activity at her residence. What kind of activity? We don't know, but the whole package scares us. So, here's the question. This writer... Yeah. Yes. (laughs) too far it here with oh we're at we're out of time yes. <laughs> <laughs> We'll be back with a question next week. We have the means to dig deeper to this young woman's past and feel guilty going full recon, but they want to protect their son and their own assets at all costs. So they haven't figured out yet what to do with any uncovered information, but they're thinking that they might want to hire a personal investigator. They might want to dig deeper and find out what's going on with this woman. So, Pete, you're the guest. It's our last question of the night. Uh, This guy's in your office saying, I think I want to take some money and I want to hire a private investigator so our money's not at risk. What do you tell him?
5: Well, when he said, uh, I'm not a helicopter parent, but, all I could think is, like, I'm not a racist, but I hate white people. (laughs) Like, you know, and think... You know, uh, I'm not a misogynist, but women are the worst. Like, <laughs> he's a helicopter parent. I mean, it is what it is. If he, if they've raised such a, a gym of a person, tell the kid what you feel, and then get the hell out of the situation. Like it, I, I have no sympathy for that situation. Like, get out of their life. You are meddling, and maybe I, that's why I get hate email. But that's the way I feel. You can't say I'm not a helicopter parent. Here's a 900-word email to the moneyologist. What do you think? Paula, agree with Pete?
2: No, actually, I don't. All um, right. So there, there are three things, uh, kind of three thoughts I had when I read this. Number one is that, well, rather than hiring a private investigator, they should have a conversation with their son and emphasize uh, the nature of a spouse being your chief advisor. Like if if you are a company Your spouse is the chairperson of your personal board of directors, you know, and and that doesn't sound romantic, but that is what that lifelong partnership is. So if I were them, I would have a conversation with their son or more accurately, many conversations with their son kind of emphasizing the concept of do you want this person to be your chief counsel throughout your life? Uh, So that's number one. Number two, if the son and the girlfriend do break up, uh, I would recommend that they tell their son that he should not disclose his wealth or his financial situation to future girlfriends um, so that he can be sure that they like him for him and not for his money. And then number three, and this one's just for fun. If, if they really want to hire a private investigator, there's this episode of the Tim Ferriss. There's a podcast called The Tim Ferriss Show. And uh, they did a recent episode where Tim interviewed this guy named Walter O'Brien, who's the producer of a CBS show called Scorpion. And according to Walter O'Brien in this interview, he related a story in which a, a particular family felt that their son was marrying a gold digger. And so they set up, I'm not recommending this, by the way, this is just for fun. So the family actually set it up such that the marriage was performed by an actor who did not have the legal right to marry the two. And so when the uh, gold digger eventually tried to divorce uh, her son and, you know, claim part of his assets, uh, oh they surprised him by being like, actually your, your marriage was never valid. Ha ha. Oh,
5: <laughs> but, yeah. But, that's but th- one way to go.
2: <laughs> the part
0: I don't understand is where you disagree with Pete. Cause I think Pete said, I'd have a conversation with my son. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, oh! I, I, guess I'm, I'm not. I guess the disagreement is that I'm not criticizing the parents for being helicoptery because it is their, uh, you know, everything that they've built throughout their life is at stake. Um, so this not, isn't helicoptery in, in terms of like that's stepping exactly in what when the you're.
5: Parent s- is, like, if they would raise such a great gym, let the gym fly from the nest, cut the umbilical cord, you
2: know? Oh, so you're saying that they should just cut the sun off. From any inheritance.
5: No, if If he's so good at making decisions, let him make a decision. Tell him what you feel, then get out. Don't hire an investigator and have a big talk. Like, I think that's why we struggle today, because of the idea that we're we're all so not personally responsible.
2: Mm. Well, I agree that they shouldn't hire an investigator, but I do think that it's appropriate for them to step into the situation.
0: Wow, that's funny. Uh, So, Len... Step into the situation. Don't step into the situation. Yeah, I, I, this
4: kind of cracks me up. I, meddling is the right word. I, don't they make prenups? I don't see what the problem is here. Those parents, if those are my parents, they drive me up the wall. I tell them to get lost, you know? Prenup. That's it. So parents step in, tell them to get a prenup. State your piece, and then walk away and
5: let them make their mistakes. It's their mistakes. You or, know, it's their lives. Or, or, let them live it. Yeah, they're blowing the kids' money. It's not like the parents' money's getting eaten up. It's- yeah, that, that, that's exactly, Pete. I don't get it.
0: Unless these
4: parents are, you know, have given this kid everything, you I got, know, I,
0: I don't get it. I got the feeling though that the parents are worried about their money. I mean, they're they're worried about his money, but more than that, they're worried about this money they worked hard for. Right? How
4: how how is the gold digger gonna affect their money?
5: Uh, I always get the feeling that people ask these questions and they already know the answer. The reason they ask is because they know they're wrong. right otherwise they wouldn't have to ask they know they're being derogatory word uh fill in the blank i don't know how how you list your podcast in terms of explicit nature uh they know they're being (laughs) that way so they're asking to try to get someone to stroke them and and they know the answer it's an obvious answer yeah that's interesting because uh,
4: i get it as a parent you know as a parent you don't want to see your kids get taken but you know what they're adult you got to live them you got to let them live their lives that's my that's my two cents
0: Let's say that your parents, Paula, didn't approve of Will. Uh, Mm -hmm. To what degree would you be okay with them uh, meddling in your relationship with him?
2: It would depend on the reasoning. If they don't like Will because he's not Nepalese and they want me to marry somebody of my own ethnicity, I think that that's, personally, I think that that's a completely bunk reason. And I wouldn't give a bleep uh, about that. But if they had an actual... What, what, in my view, would be an actual legitimate reason, such as uh, the content of his character, then uh, I would listen to that, you know.
0: It, it but, you would just be want them, but you just want, them, friend... to ha- you just want mm-hmm. them to have a discussion with you then, right?
2: Right, right. They could have a discussion. They could have many discussions. You know, I'm not going to do whatever they tell me. If I was, I would have had an arranged marriage years ago uh, because that was what they wanted for me. But, you know, I'm not going to do what they say, but I'll certainly consider it.
5: You know, I'm not a racist, but if I were Nepalese, I would never marry a white person.
2: <laughs> and wh- why is that, Pete?
5: I'm just kidding. Just... <laughs> yeah, I just had to explain it. That's no good. That's right. Oh! <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah.
0: I, th- I think we'll leave it on that. No, it's an interesting it's an interesting letter, and I'm glad we took a few minutes talking about it. <laughs> uh, let's talk about what's going on at all of your places of business. Paula, how about the Money Podcast and that little place called Afford Anything?
2: Oh, well, uncharacteristically, I actually know the answer to this. No way. It's it's incredible. This will never happen again. <laughs> so coming up on the Money Podcast, there will be an interview with Farnoosh. Farnoosh Tarabi, the host of the So Money Podcast, and the host of the CNBC television show, Follow the Leader. There's also going to be an Ask Us Anything, in which we answer questions that were submitted by listeners. So those are the episodes that you'll hear on the money podcast. I can't. Uh, meanwhile,
0: uh-huh. I can't promote that because of the fact that Farnoosh and the So Money Show, uh, we had a charity challenge in November and Farnoosh beat us by like $4. So, and she beat us at the last <laughs> minute. So Farnoosh and I are not talking.
2: Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, isn't it better that you've both raised money for charity?
0: Yeah, that's okay. I just don't like getting beaten at the last <laughs> second. A little, well, Yeah. No, that's great.
2: All coming up at my various platforms. I'm not sleeping. Wee!
0: <laughs> Anything else you want to promote? We'll just have the whole circus here. Len, what's going on at LenPenso.com? Yeah, well, first
4: off, I want to apologize for giving Farnouche $5, Joe. Um, <laughs> sounds <right>. like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hey, you- Len, <laughs> Len's, Len's, last, Len's last episode on the show here, right? <laughs>
4: No, and I've got a post from somebody named Paula Pant
0: coming up here, wow.
4: uh, a day in the life of a low performer. Whoa. So I figured let's keep the Paula Pant stuff coming. So why not? Is Paula Pant coming a low, Paula, Paula Pant, guest hosting on Lenpenzo.com.
0: And is she a low performer? Paula, are you a low performer?
2: It's all relative, Joe.
0: Yeah, you're talking about your height, aren't you? About. Like the-
2: <laughs> I mean... You know, compared to everything that Pete the planner has achieved, his his humor, his wit, his number of speeches that he makes in a year, I I can only aspire to to Pete's level. Oh my God. So wow. Has Pete, I've never met you before. I figured I'd make a good impression.
5: No, I like it. I like it.
0: <laughs> That's a good lead in, Pete. Thanks for coming back, even though I'm sure after that you're never coming back again.
5: No, I had fun. You know, the good thing about <laughs> No, I mean that was convincing Pete. <laughs> <laughs> that was real convincing. I think what's important as all of us put content out there and try to help people. It it's interesting when you disagree with someone, and in the right way to do it, I think is to do it respectfully. And that's hopefully how we did it tonight. Not to send me an email that says, My father hated bad writing. That's why I'm glad he's dead, so he can't read your awful USA wow. today. Oh you know, holy cow. That. Yeah, I, get I that. thought that was pretty clever, Pete. But okay, I'll, I'll try and come up with something different next time. Well, then you didn't appreciate my reply. I'm glad he's dead too. <laughs> well, let uh, me click on. It. <laughs> so uh, what's going on uh, today? Uh, this week in USA today, I wrote about um, a lady wants to know if she can blow their money now because she knows she's getting a two million dollar inheritance, so she could have her cake and eat it too. So I blew her up. Ask Pete, the planner podcast slash million dollar podcast. Tomorrow is all about relationships Ooh, hugging aggressively, as I like to call it. And i got a new app coming out in about six weeks. Million dollar day. Tell you how to calculate what day you will become a millionaire. And then it gamifies the process of moving the day up.
0: Awesome. That's cool. Make sure you have us on the list when that goes live so we can tell everybody in our headline segment. That'll be cool.
5: Oh, thank you. And uh, n- nice meeting and playing uh, along uh, this evening with all of you. It's it's awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Pete. Thanks again. And we'll have links to
0: to the Million Dollar Plan and to Pete's USA Today columns at StackingBenjamins.com. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Jim. Oh, uh, that's going to do it, everybody. Hey, we have finished our game For this eight weeks, Uh, for those of you that are new to the show on Fridays, because OG's not around, I amuse myself by playing a game, but because he's not around, I amuse myself by having a guy who heckles my entire show
1: (laughs) sit here with me. How am I not supposed to react to that, you amusing yourself? What? (laughs) I can't let that go. I swear to God, you're
0: 12. You are just 12 years old.
1: That's what makes me so charming.
0: But I asked people if they would give us uh, the next game because I like it when other people do my work for me. And you know what? I've had three people give me games. So those of you that have sent me games, as we play your game, which we're going to do, we're totally going to do these. Uh, I love all these ideas for games. Uh, as we do your game, we will put together a prize pack for you for coming up with the game, for doing my work. Are am getting one? And totally for the winner. Agree. I'm getting one? I'm getting a prize pack. You are not getting a prize pack. Your your prize pack is to sit here and announce me. Can I have the last piece of Sarah Lee? (laughs) Can that be my prize pack? You got to ask mom about that. That has nothing to do with me. So all those people, though, will get, get prize packs as we play their games. So I don't need any more games. Not for, not for, no. I've, I've had an influx of lots of them. Uh, so three is plenty, and we're going to use them all. So congratulations, and thank you to the people that uh, sent those in. So that will start, though, after our Memorial Day break. We've got a break coming up in just a couple of weeks. So after after we do rewind episodes and Tucker takes over from Memorial Day through the first a uh, weekend in June. Then after that, uh, we will start the new game the Friday after that. Is that that punk kid that you let come in here? That, that, that punk, he's afraid of you. Well, yeah, he ought to be. He's a punk kid. Yeah. Hey, let me tell you what isn't punk, which is what we have. I'm I'm doing my best to keep it moving is what we have coming up next week on next week's show coming up on Monday, Lawrence Kotlikoff coming down to the basement He is a William Warren Fairfield professor at Boston University, professor of economics at Boston University. And get this, Doug, he was on President Ronald Reagan's Council of Economic Advisors. They did a pretty good job. They're in the late 80s, so that guy must be smart. Well, I'll tell you what. He's very worried about Social Security. He and two co-authors have written a book called Get What's Yours. They wrote it just before some big Social Security changes happened. Now those changes have been implemented. He's coming down to the basement to tell us about all the newest stuff in Social Security. And for people that are younger, we're going to ask him the question, do we count Social Security in our plan or not? This guy's testified before Congress many, many times. And it's funny because you'd think— that because of the fact that he was on uh, President Reagan's Council of Economic Advisors, that he would be a Republican. Uh, he is very agnostic. I will tell you ahead of time, I've had discussions with Lawrence Kotlikoff before. He's one cranky dude <laughs> and, and he's <laughs> and he's not happy with Democrats or Republicans. Oh, I like him already. Oh, it makes for a great, great interview. So if you're somebody that dislikes Washington, you're going to have a good time. But, but you know, he, he also doesn't get very I mean, really, in the big scheme of things, it's it's not obviously changing Social Security is political. But the fact that we have a problem, I think everybody agrees with.
1: But he's an economist, right? He is. Yeah, right. They tend to be apolitical. They're data-driven, yeah. pretty pragmatic folks. So and grumpy. That's right.
0: Oh, <laughs> they're just all grumpy. Oh, and he's the king. That's I can awesome. guarantee on Monday we, we've wait. got the king of grump. And then on, and and he will hear this and he'll wear that as a compliment Fantastic. if he hears it, Larry. I mean that is a compliment. Then on Wednesday, financial advisor Lori Sackler is here talking about the M word. The M word. The money talk. Macaroni? (laughs) The macaroni. That horrible macaroni discussion. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, some people out there have adult children that really have never had the M talk. And also, you've got adult children of parents that are aging that really need to have the M talk. So it's a serious thing. She's just written a, not just the book, she said a book about the M word out for quite a while. She just made this journal so you can get prepared, like as all these lines about the money talk. We need to talk about this. We have to talk about this. We should talk about this. So that when you go in there, it's not, Hey, uh, mom, who's been taking care of your stuff for the last, you know, 60, yeah, 70 I'm years. I'm very
1: uncomfortable right now. Is this you preparing me for the M talk that you're going to have with me?
0: <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> this is awkward.
0: After the big raise we gave you last week, the 45% raise. Right. And then next Friday, we're back here with another stacking Benjamin's round table. So thanks to everybody who's gone and checked out the green room, our kind of behind the scenes podcast. We have outtakes, we have discussions uh, kind of like this one, little rambly discussions. <laughs> if you like the ramble, uh, it's all over there and uh, past episodes. So all stuff from the back catalog, that's the green room. And you can get that on a separate fee, wherever you listen to podcasts. So thanks to the big number of people we've been in the new and noteworthy section with that show on iTunes iTunes has had us right up there among the leaders in New and Noteworthy. Yeah, So thanks to everybody who's done that. All right. And join us in the green room, which is our closed Facebook group. Doug is there, makes just snide remarks. Those are snide? That's just normal. What do you mean snide? (laughs) Does nothing constructive. We have constructive uh, conversations, and Doug provides his uh, commentary. So it's just like the Stacky Benjamin Show take-home edition. Uh, Here's how you get there. Go to stackybedgments.com forward slash green room, and there is a box that you click there. Just click over, and uh, we have to allow you in, and we'll give you a little hint. We let everybody in.
1: That's not what you told me, Joe.
0: <laughs> we got to go. All right. Thanks again to Pete the Planner. We'll have more on him on our show notes at stackybedgments.com, but I think you're getting ready to say that. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time.
1: <laughs> Pete the Planner appears courtesy of PeteThePlanner.com. We'll have more on Pete, his podcast, and more at our show notes at StackingBenjamins.com. Paula Pant appears courtesy of AffordAnything.com. Len Penzo appears courtesy of the cryptically named LenPenzo.com. This show is the property of the Free Financial Advisor, LLC. Copyright 2016. The show was created by Joe Saul co written by Brent Selmans, edited and engineered by the one and only Steve Stewart. Special thanks to Joe's mom for making Franks and beans for dinner tonight. She knows the way to a guy's heart is through a box full of Rolades. Susie Orman appears courtesy of. Well, Susie Orman doesn't appear on our show, but if she did, she'd be courtesy of SusieOrman.com.